is, you know, Christmas time and how people get busy. I sure can have an appreciation of that. We're ready to roll there, bro. Today is a very important day. I mean, I literally felt like that I could in my mind justify not being here. Uh, but there's no way I would ever justify or not want to be here today. Because this has been such a, a time that I've had with Yahweh, and it's been a, uh, different in the sense that it's not the same, but yet it's not something that's not expected or that I don't expect or that I wasn't anticipating or that I, I don't look forward to and desire. So what I'm going to do today is, and I know a lot of people, <clears throat> somebody called this morning and said, is this Chris, our Christmas service? It is. Hagen played, that's, there it is. Which you did a very good job, son. I mean, I was very pleased with that, and, and uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. The, uh, but we don't wait. We don't, we don't preach according to the civil calendar or holidays. We don't really live our lives that way, except we're forced to, you know, we, and we spend our time together and all these holidays and things like that. I get it. So this morning, I'm going to ask Yahweh, by His Spirit, to prepare you this morning. I've already done it. I'm doing it again out loud for your sake to hear my cry over you today and over this house and my cry of, of a prophetic voice once again in the history of who Yahweh is in me and my gifting and calling and where this church is and what we're supposed to be. Because if you don't prophesy it, it won't come to pass. Yeshua didn't just show up because God decided one day he was prophesied to come to pass. And this morning, I pray that and I prophesied over you because we're at such a, I say, most beautiful, beautiful time in the history of this house. And when you leave here today, I hope that you have all different kind of emotions about who we are, where we are, where we're going, what this is all about, because Yahweh is going to do something great in us. That is not preacher talk. That is not anything. But I ask you to pay attention today. I know we have the ability to hear just for maybe our own information. You know, a lot of times when I started teaching the true gospel, you know, we wanted to sit in church and learn all these things so we could do what? Defend what we're saying we believe. But I'm asking you today, you know, try not to let that be the totality, total, total, the, the amount, the whole amount of the way that you receive this word today. I'm going to ask you to kind of put yourself in like a neutral gear and let God touch you and speak to you this morning. I believe this morning that, I, let me just say, I, I titled this something for the sake of people to listen. And, but it may not have anything to do with those. Only a few who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying and have, can hear the voice of the great shepherd, Yeshua, when he's speaking. <clears throat> But sometimes I like to use titles that prick people's curiosity. So just for the sake of that, I titled today's message, Naked and Unashamed, part one. Naked and Unashamed. You see that show on TV, Naked and Afraid? Naked and un Unashamed. This morning, I'm going to ask you to give me the liberty to just speak out of my heart. Out of my spirit, not my head so much. Not knowledge that I've accumulated over the years as far as uh, doctrines, in which there's nothing wrong with that, it's necessary. Or logic, and there's nothing wrong with that. Or truths out of historical truths that prove the Bible to be real. I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, I think they're all necessary. But today, I'm going to speak a spoken word of faith. A, and, and I hate using some terminology today because... Uh, Words can take on their own meanings, and, and we can, and so anyhow, this morning I want you to know that Yahweh has spoken to me recently in, in a, a real way, more real 
maybe than I've ever had him speak to me before. And this morning, uh, I want to say this. I'm not on medication. I've been telling people that. You know, I'm not, I am not taking pain meds. I'm not, I'm, I'm not taking steroids now. I'm not, ta- I'm not taking anything. I want to tell you, Yahweh has blown through my house again. And we are at the consummation of an aeon. The consummation. I, in my limited knowledge, possibly can refer to that as the end of the age of the Gentiles. And can absolutely show you from the scriptures and the word of God exactly what that means and how the Bible teaches it. And it is the historical plan of God that he will be done with the the Gentiles. I can't say if I believe we're at the end, we're past the end. I, I don't know. But I know that we are at the consummation of this present age. And God always does crazy mighty things, not only historically in the earth, but he also does it at the end of our own ages. You know what I mean? Our walk with God, okay, we come from here to here. You know, we can call it 30, 60, 100 fold. We can call it Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. We can call it Spirit, Soul. We can name all the things that God's wonderful, beautiful word has so, so uh, graciously given us these things. These things that we can hang our brains on and thoughts upon. To locate and watch and even have a measurement somewhat of his dealings in our lives. This happening consummation has come to its time and to its intent. And here's a word I'm going to flippantly use, but just for lack of a better word this morning, I'm going to be using some words that I don't really like, but I just... I don't, maybe don't have the vocabulary to really say what, what, how I want to say it, but it's like a revolution. And wherever your brain and your mind and your, you know, what you have in your head takes you to, I guess that's okay this morning. Just don't lock it in there. See, there is a fulfillment that will take place for what God has said will happen and, will, and is going to, what's going to be done in the earth. There is a fulfillment in me that he will, that which he that he has done in my life, he will finish it. And in you, what he started, he will surely perform a purpose. There's been a completion for me. I'm going to refer to myself personally some, but this, I ain't talking about me. I'm talking about the way of God, the plan of God, his, what he's doing in the earth, what he's doing in us, what's he doing in you, what's he doing in your home. And that is there is a completion of a lot of these dynamics that have been in the spirit realm for a long, long, long time. It seems, but really, in the course of history and comparatively to historical time, it's really a brief time. 65 years for me seems like a long time, but guess what? It really hadn't been, especially comparatively. And once again, I am pressed to the completion by the Spirit through these wonderful opportunities that Yahweh have presented to me and to us. But I have learned in my journey that it's probably not necessarily going to go through the channels that we, or me, or you know, or we, or you, or we think God should or will come through. Did y'all hear what I just said? We're at such a place of something. And I'm not afraid of it. We've been here before, right? When I was 50 years old, we got here, this portal. God rocked our world, gave us the keys to the kingdom, revealed his, his word to us. He's not going to come through Religion, or words, or Jesus, please understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about a wrong concept of things, not the person of the Son of God, the Christ. I'm talking about religious church service models. Because see, it's like at Christmas time, we have an expectation and we like to go to church. And you know, everybody goes to church on Christmas. Or New Year's or, or Easter, you know, because it's that thing that feeds something that, even though it's not even real, it's a dead model. They, we have these service models that we spent hundreds of years trying to perfect and hasn't got us any further down the road to our God-likeness. Traditions. Catchphrases. <laughs> catchphrases. It's amazing to me how a fad and a fashion 
can travel from Los Angeles to New York or vice versa almost virtually overnight. And people that are carrying this kind of person in New York are now carrying it in L.A. And they have, all have the same haircut. They wear the same kind of glasses, the same kind of jeans, the same kind of... I mean, it's amazing to me. Is it amazing or what? How does it catch on like wildfire? We all have these... I'll never forget in my history how, you know, the word house for church became so popular. This is God, this house. I'm glad you're part of this house. I mean, that thing went across the country like wildfire. These cliches, this is what I believe they are. They're nothing but soon-to-be-dead words. But in the moment, can somehow do something in us that makes us feel better about ourselves. Listen to this one. Paradigm shift. Huh? We're in a paradigm shift. And maybe it was something that helped you get to a play. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just telling you that our expectation of what God's trying to do and will do to get us to where he, he's going to get us because he's pressing us to this place of completion. Uh, it's probably not going to be what we're going to expect and what we're comfortable with or what we think is going to change us, even though we know what we've been doing hasn't. I think my adrenaline's starting to heal me a little bit. There's a... There's a terminology in the Bible that's called sundry times and divers manners. At sundry times and divers manners, Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to read it in a minute if you can bear it with me. Sundry times and divers manners. manners. When I was 50 years old, I knew something was going to happen to me. I used to tell people, when I get 50 years old, I'm going to be a great man of God. And I'd go to conferences and I'd say that to people. And they'd say, why don't you just be a great man of God now? Well, I hadn't had the time yet to just be that. And, and, and being something great is really something that we, we, we're so busy. We're so busy trying to fulfill the deficit in us that you can't, you can't take the time to stop to find out the truth because you're so busy working and trying to make things happen to fulfill something in us that's driving us. I know this, the same pressing that was upon me in those days that brought me to a place that totally changed the whole paradigm shift of what I even thought was truth changed when I was 50 years old. What a revelation that God allowed me the grace to not only see the truth, but to be hungry for it and to at least consider it. How many of you know you're blessed here this morning to know that you're in a place where you are hungry for the truth. I can go through when I was seven years old, nine years old, 11 years old, 20 years old. I can go through all these things. I've done it before. Kind of looking back on times of visitations in my personal life. This year, I'm 65. Now, how many of you would think that 65, it would be, should be some kind of landmark year? You know, most people say retirement, social security, uh, Medicaid or whatever, all that stuff. I got to tell you this. 65 years old has been the most disruptive year of my whole life. It has been the most disruptive year of my whole life. I got COVID real bad. I endured it. It was bad. I had two kidney stones. I had open heart surgery. I had back surgery. But the worst, the most tormenting thing I went through this year is lightning hit the church and trying to get the insurance to give me the money for it. And I guarantee you, they still ain't sent me the check. That's the most tormenting thing. The most disruptive year of my life is a landmark year. And yet I declare and I believe it's prophetic what's happening to me. Not that God caused it, not that. But I'm going to tell you, God, there's things that God does and is in ways that we just don't even have a clue about. His dealings with us. His angels in our lives. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, listen. But as many as received him... To them gave he the power to become sons of God, even to them that believe upon his name. Well, I didn't even know his name until I was 50. I pastored, youth pastored. I mean, I preached all over the country, you know, and different churches and singing and all that. And didn't even know the only name under heaven whereby which men can be saved. How sad was that? I know now. I want you to hear me today. This is what, what I'm fixing to say now is hard to hear. And that is the ecclesia corporate local house of God is the only place God's infinite wisdom has predetermined and designed for us to receive the promised God life that flies in the face 
of everything that is American almost, that is cultural, that is carnal. He has a purpose and a way to get us to that purpose, and you can't get it any other way. And you can look around you this morning and agree with me that people don't even believe it. And the only way that you can prove to God that you believe is by your actions. You can talk to talk all you want. Talk is nothing. If the word doesn't become flesh and dwell among us, if it don't change us, if I'm still just like the world and got all this and all that like everybody else, what? there's something missing. When we lose, well, let me just say this right quick though. If you accept God's way, your actions will prove you accept God's way. Look, only those who keep his commandments will be able to once again eat off the tree of life in the midst of the garden. And I know what we think our concept of the garden is. There's things I'm starting today that I think you're always going to let me share with you that I haven't shared and haven't told people before. Not that they're weird or nothing like that, but it's just because there's other things that have to be set and established and uprooted and pulled down and destroyed but, but, and planted and built. When we lose the ability to not be able to be accepted... If you're not accepted somewhere, what's our first response? What's the, what's the catchphrase in today's society? Fight or flight? There's another one of those little catchphrases. That's good. I mean, all right, that's true. But I don't care about the, I don't care about the words. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not criticizing the words. I'm, it helps locate in a situation. I want the solution. I want the solution. I'm saying when, when people lose that ability that they feel in their heart and mind or whatever, that they get accepted, they lose that ability, then this is what happens. They get, they, or, or let's say they, in a relationship, they get under-recompensed or devalued for the price that we're demanding for our trade or barter. I'm going to tell you what, Wednesday night was a special time here. I'm going to tell you, I don't know if everybody even recognized it or not, but I want to tell you, Wednesday night was something happened here in the spirit Wednesday night. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about was love. And we'll maybe talk about it if we get to it today. But this love, see, most people, they, their effort and gesture of love is really I think it'd be nicer for us to just be honest with it and say, okay, what do you have to trade for this? I'm going to give you this love, but I have an expectation back. And if I don't get it back, see, true love don't need a return. But we have this barter, you know, we, we're devalued now. I give you this, I give you $20 for Christmas, and you give me a candy cane. That undervalue that devalue, I should say, or that being under-recompensed will always cause us to withdraw. Or I should say, it will cause us to not be able to come out of withdrawal. Because almost everybody I know are in withdrawal. Let me speak in generalities, okay? That's what I'm doing. And like Cain, what they will do is they will now create their own way their own system, their own beliefs, the, all, the way they're going to get changed, the way they're going to take control, the way they're going to... So we have this whole, you know, the, the, the Johnny religion, or the crystal religion, you know, the bevy religion, or the coach religion. We're going to do it our way. See, if you have a loved one whose life is in jeopardy and fixing to die, but you have a doctor that says, listen... For one million dollars, I can save your loved one's life. If you really believe that, you will withhold nothing and cheerfully pay the full price. Cheerfully. You won't cut corners. You won't say, eh, what's the five, what will 500,000 do for me? What will 100,000 do? People who doubt always withhold. People who doubt always withhold. Now, I'm hoping that I'm speaking, I'm not breaking this down, I'm speaking what I believe is a prophetic word into your heart and your mind that's going to be a seed sown and it gets watered for the future for us. If you withhold, let's say, in the ecclesia, 
You, it, let's say you say, I'm not going to really give all my tithe, or I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to give offerings, you know. I'm, I'm not going to have my, I'm going to withhold my presence, or I'm going to withhold faith, and I'm going to withhold the true belief of, of what the Bible teaches about the unity of, the, of one. And this is what happens. You're not going to get the kind of surgery that's going to save you. You can't get the surgery that's going to save you without paying for the kind of surgery that will save you. And what happens is this. Listen, watch close. We cannot and will not ever really get what the Word of the Lord is here to us. We'll never get it. It will be so, so contaminated by all of these things. And though people can believe and accept the very logic of the Scriptures, I mean, let's face it, any honest person without a dog in the fight, that hears me teach on the gospel, uh, the gospel, uh, true gospel of the kingdom and all that we talk, it's, you can't really deny it. Do you, would you all agree, agree with me about that? Like, my God, it just, I mean, historically, biblically, I mean, it's, it's all right there. Every answer, and, and I say every answer because it's been every answer I've had so far, and I've been able to answer every other person's answer so far. That don't mean I know everything, but I know that much. So it's easy to accept something logical if that's just all you are, a logical person. But it doesn't mean that you're going to get what God's intent is for us if you're just going to accept the logic, which is kind of what the Bible calls a form of godlikeness, a form of godliness. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I believe. I believe we, we're, uh, we believe the gospel of the kingdom. We, oh, yeah, we believe that about hell now. What John, this is what I've heard it many times. Hey, Johnny, what do we believe about heaven again? Oh, yeah. What do we believe about this again? But here's the problem. That's not the issue. That's not the end. That is a process to the end. And what happens is people who withhold cannot endure the uncovering. You hear what I just said? People who withhold cannot endure the uncovering. What are you talking about? My God, uncover, discover, recover. What are you talking about? Well, however we may have thought about it, the bottom line is there is an uncovering of who we really are. And I hate even saying that terminology because there's so many schools of psychology and psychiatry and, and, so, uh, and uh, all these mindsets of religion that, that use all of that self stuff. But that's not what I'm saying. It could sound like it a little bit unless you're really vested and not withholding why johnny why what happens because people become naked and they are ashamed they are ashamed of their nakedness i preached a series of messages i think i couldn't even find it online back to eden here i am just saying stuff and prophesying stuff, thinking I know what I'm talking about, I don't. But it doesn't matter. When God speaks that word through us, it prophesies ahead of time, and I'm reaping on it today, I'll, I'll guarantee you that. They're ashamed of their nakedness. They can't endure their uncovering. So when it comes time for another bad choice of words, when it comes time to be able to let somebody love the real you, and I hate that terminology. I hope you all understand it. But it's kind of sort of like that. Guess what? We withdraw. We, we are ashamed of who the real us really is. At a core level that's so deep, you were born with it. And when you can't do that and you're ashamed of your nakedness, guess what happens? Guess what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden? They got removed. People who cannot put themselves in that ability to be able to be uncovered and get to the place that God ultimately has to bring us to. You know, we're not the church that just don't believe that hell different than hell. You all understand that? That's, that's, that's really such a minor part of what we're really all about. But it's major to people, you know, people coming in and understanding. It's, it's a, it, but, but these people get removed, and guess what? Here we are at another season of life in the church where some got removed again. Not the first time. Because that's how God does. He, he tears and then He heals. If you don't think that's true, I'm telling you, you don't know Yahweh or the Bible even. By the way, that garden experience, 
Adam and Eve did what? They were ashamed of their nakedness. They didn't even know it to start with, but they got ashamed of it. What did they do with it? Tell me. They covered it with what? And I want to tell you, there's people not here this morning. And if you are looking for, to buy any fig leaves for Christmas, you can contact them because that's all they can grow in their garden. And that's all they grow in their garden because they will be in desperation the rest of their life bound, covered, and never being set free with the glorious liberty of the sons of Yahweh. What about us? To reject God's way will forever incarcerate us in our prison of cognitive lock. <laughs> I like using that word. It makes me feel like people think I'm smart. So somebody say, what's cognitive lock? Uh, hang on a minute, let me look. <laughs> I've taught you what it is. You know what it is. You're going you're gonna to believe something whether it's best for you or not. You're going to believe something. You're in there. You're in this mindset. And guess what you're going to do? You will not only be incarcerated in that prison of cognitive lock where you are, you're going to spend the rest of your life filing appeal after appeal without ever seeing your guilt and facing yourself. This morning, I may not get through done with this, but I'm asking you to do this. Do not jump to any conclusion today. Don't, don't jump to a conclusion that you think you know where I'm headed. I'm not really sure I know really where I'm headed. I just know that this morning I'm headed the right way. I want you to try to resist the fallen DNA pull for another dead word to me. To have to know the solution today. We don't have to know this solution today. Because if you put that pressure on you, all you're going to do is just wind up spending your time and energy painting that same wall, but just with a different color paint. Same wall. You're just going to paint it with something. Oh, what's new this week? Oh, yeah, I, believe, I don't believe in hell like that anymore. What's new this week? Oh, I believe this. I'm going to paint it with this one. Oh, I incessantly doing the same thing over and over, just with different paint. I've been in houses before, and they put a coat of fresh paint on. Well, it may be a coat of fresh paint as far as that personal experience may be, but I'll guarantee you, how many of you have ever, like, taken wallpaper off somewhere, and you pull wallpaper off? What's under that? More wallpaper. What's under that? I mean, the wall's like this thick. And you get under there, oh, this, this used to be a black wall. Oh, this used to be a white wall. What are you talking about? It's kind of like the resurgence of communism and socialism by people who think it can work, who are ignorant, don't know any better. What happens is we, we come up and find this idea, and then we try to pursue that idea, and we waste another 20 years to life in that cognitive prison trying to make something work that just isn't right. And I don't think we got much time, that much time now. I want you to know this. It's okay to let somebody learn past you. You hear what I just said? That is such a big word to me in my life. It's okay if somebody else has learned past us. If somebody's learned past you, that's probably the one God sent into your life or a spiritual father or an apostle or uh, the body you're, you're getting joined to or the ecclesia you're supposed to be joined to, they, surely they, they, they should be able to learn, have learned past you. I'm going to say a couple of things here. I don't think I can paint the picture of what I'm really trying to say well enough this morning to make it, you take it in your mind and you make it this thought construct there for you to leave here today and, and for it to change you. Uh, we're, we're doing something bigger and deeper than that. You know, whether I'm a good preacher, bad preacher, or whatever, it, to me, this morning is irrelevant because it doesn't make much difference But who I am. But I tell you what, I'm asking today that this be a, excuse me, a start. And for you, by Yahweh's eternal purpose, and by Yahweh's loving grace, and if you're joined here, I'm going to tell you, I can assure you, you are a candidate. You don't just stumble in here. Something led you to this place. Crazy the ways God does it. And I'm marking this day in my life personally and in the history of this church should be the inception point from where we've never, that it's going to be the inception point of where we've never been from before. And I've got to stand up and say this to you. You are here for this that I'm talking about today. You may think you're here for the gospel and to be blessed and have this and, you know, have finances and all that. You are here for this. The eternal purpose of God in a man. 
Just your very humility to be able to submit to the true gospel proves me one thing. You're a lover of truth. So today, I'm not done. I'm saying, here we go. I want, I want to, and I've asked Yahweh to put a small thought of eternal truth in you that you might have never thought of before. And, and that you're going to be able to use it to push away this onslaught. Very small thought of truth. That you can push away the onslaught of a lifetime, and not just a lifetime, guys, but for the history of this planet of former thinking that wants to and has and will continue to lay siege on your mind continually, every day, 24 hours a day. It's what prevented you from knowing the truth. It's what prevented you from being set free. But there's a glimmer of light when you can say, my God, that's what the Bible says that. To be able to accept the very fact of the light of the Scriptures and to, to have the ability and the character somewhere in you, whatever it is. You know, uh, a lot of people I meet, they say they're black sheep of the family, you know. And so uh, most people who, who are black sheep think they are. Is it true or not? Charlotte's the black sheep of our family and, and the resident elf. These things in our brains that, and, 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 and I know I'm not talking about psychology yet, I am, but I'm not, but I am, but I'm not. That have filled you with thoughts of shame. Again, these are terms that I know we can take right to our repertoire of, of notes and knowledge and things. Thoughts of judgment and condemnation and fear and doubt and disappointment and resentment. Those things that have kept us from where you can't really have the strength and the power and awareness of being and fulfilling Yahweh's purpose for us. That place that I can tell you I'm so familiar with, that I've experienced it all my life, and I've experienced it with pretty much everybody else I have ever met. Interesting. All of the same kind, right? These things can strike people down. By the least, another word I don't like, fear thought. Whatever word you need to put on it, God's going to show you some things in this. But it's those things that can just disable you. And that just one little shattering thought about your, your uh, there's another word, I hate to say, awareness of yourself. I don't like that word really, but here's another bad example. <laughs> I'm not a good person, I'm a good daddy, I'm not a good mother, I'm a good child, I'm not a good this, I'm not a good that. And, we, and just that least little thought questioning our identity or who we are really or our nakedness or how, well, you know, pre-fig leave, however we're going to be saying this, I'm not sure yet, can just leave us totally dysfunctional for a day, a whole day, a whole week, a whole month, a whole year. I say for a whole lifetime. Dysfunctional. Sons of the living God. Hebrews 1, I'm not going to read the whole thing today. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture about Yahshua and about how God said that his, He makes His messengers winds and His servants flames of fire. And I'm going to go ahead of that because you can read it if you're interested. I like the King James because I can break it down in the Greek. But when you compare who you are, somebody else what usually happens is it will uncover a deficit when i say not that it's even a real a real deficit but it's a perceived deficit maybe and i'm going to use this word which i don't like your our own uniqueness this is just a you know this is just spray painting over the whole thing when i say that and so what has happened in the human race is that we have allowed those things to be uncovered and when we do that, and we feel bad about how God made me. Generality, something for us to understand what it is, but I'm not talking about the fix. God has provided a fix for us, and I believe we're going to walk in it. Let me tell you what that is called. It is called sin. Because when you want what somebody else has or even appears to have, and how many of you know that most is just what people appear to have? Can I tell you this? When somebody walks up to you and looks you straight in the face and talks to you, you don't really know who that is. Huh? 
I said, you don't really know who that person is. I've seen it happen over and over. People so shocked about people they're in relationships with, whatever, whatever level. Business, family, marriage, friendships. And you say, oh my God, who are you? I don't recognize you. It's called the sin of covetousness. I want what you have. True happiness in the general sense is kind of like being able to accept the way God made you, your uniqueness, and to be satisfied. And here's a, here's a key word I want you to get because we're going to be talking about this very specifically, I think, in the future. To be satisfied with your own portion because what your portion is is very important to what God is help, how He's going to help deliver you. It comes from never trying to change yourself from the way that God created you. So in a surface way, if God made you short, He made you fat, He made you skinny, He made you tall, He made you whatever He made you, however He made you, the person who can accept that that's how they were in the flesh created, in their body created, and that you can never be the person that you think is prosperous, happy, and whatever, the image that somebody put on you. Y'all hear me? That somebody put on us. We can't ever be them. I always tell people this, but I can be a great me. I can do me in my sleep. But that's part of my problem too, because it ain't me I want to do. But you get it, maybe. You can have a level of happiness accepting your uniqueness, or, or they've learned Really, Yahweh's way too, because Jeremiah 17 says this, verse 9, The heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What are you saying, Johnny? I'm saying you'll lie to yourself. I'm saying you'll deceive yourself. You can't do this by yourself. You can't decide, oh, this is the right thing. I know what I'm doing. You don't. You're, you will lie to yourself. How many of you believe that to be true this morning? They've accepted. Okay. I accept Yahweh who I'm created to be. Now, just who is that? Married to Bevy, have children, have this church, have a house over there on West Anthony Road. I mean, I mean, what, what, what is it really? And when you come to the place of acceptance, even at the small level of accepting who you are physically, and you're humble, thankful, and grateful for it, you can have a little bit more happiness. Now, let me tell you what. I want you to hear me. Here's a hint. You never will truly love Yahweh until you get some of these things settled. Because let me tell you what you're going to do to him. You're going to resent him. Why? For making you the way you are and giving you the life he gave you and the parents he gave you and on the whole list of what it is. Until you love yourself by accepting the way he created you. And you can't manufacture that in your own power. Until then, we're not going to have true peace, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, which is the kingdom. And, and as I always say, and you're not going to play well with others. As we were talking Wednesday night, you'd, it always, I'm not rebuking, I'm, it, I'm just observing the fact that most of the time, success is, all, did I say most of the time? Pretty much all the time. Success is valuated with materialism, any way you slice it. And i got to tell you right now, you don't need God to, to be successful materialistically. You can be a drug dealer. You hear me? You can be a a murderer. You can be in the mafia if there is still something. And it's impossible for you and I to get a well done for something God's called us, who God's called us to be and to do, if we're not doing what He's called us to be and do. Y'all hear what I just said? You can't get a well done imitating somebody else, leaving them unfulfilled. Well, that's what happens to you. You will never be able to be fulfilled trying to fulfill the sin of covetousness. You'll never be able to be fulfilled trying to get to that place in your walk, in my walk, that we are always, you know, trying to be somebody else and live up to that. Now, I know that's a general thing, and that's the only way I can say it maybe this morning. But I promise you, you're always going to take us to the place that's going to deliver us from those things. You're going to be unfulfilled because you can only be fulfilled with what God's called you to do and be. You're going to be tired because you only have the strength to, to fulfill what God's called you to do and be. And you'll wind up with a spirit of poverty. Why? What is that? 
Spirit of poverty means this, you're never satisfied and you'll never have enough. You will just forever, forever keep trying to get that attention and, and get whatever it is that that deficit is. And it's really the same deficit for all of us, you'll see, because it's from the same sin. It's from the same doorway that we fell out of. Yahweh told me it's the same doorway we fell out of the garden. Is the same door that we're going to go back into the garden. When I say garden, I'm not, talk, I'm, I'm not talking about a literal place today. The fact is, you don't have the endurance, you don't have the stamina, you don't have the money, you don't have the resources, you don't have the mental capacity to change the way God created you. Listen to this, we must learn to just go the way with the way he created you. I was talking to somebody recently, I said, listen, why do you think your children are confused? Because you are confused from parents who were confused. That's what happens. It's a, it's a hand-me-down inherited trait. When man fell in the garden, man started, he fell under that thing of acceptance, not being who he really is. He began to toil by the sweat of his brow. Let me tell you Yahweh's way. Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of Yahweh brings wealth without painful toil for it. No conference, no seminar, book teaching, pastor. You know, I, I, I wrote this in a book years, years, I mean, man, 30, 40 years ago. You can't make a mole an eagle. Save your money and buy some mole stuff. It's only achieved. What we're talking about is only achieved through the process that Yahweh has made to get man back to the place of who, <laughs> I'm going to say this just for some people, his authentic self, who he really is who he was meant to be, who God's purpose and divine plan and image of him is to be. And I've used that word authentic and, you know, what, what's that other word I like? Internal dialogue. I like that one. It's called baptism into the body. We can do it God's way or we're going to find out like Cain that Yahweh will just reject our offering too. Because it won't be upon the grounds. It will be insufficient to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. I'm here for this pressing of the completion of the end of this age to fulfill what God has for me and for you. I don't, think it, I don't know if it's you're tired or I'm just already getting tired, but I'm going to try to close this up in about a few minutes. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to maybe close with this. I mentioned it earlier, and that is this whole concept of love and that the gestures that we call love, not, I'm saying we don't love people, but they're most likely barter for something in return. And I think it would be healthier if both parties could just acknowledge that and therefore avoid burdening someone with the impossible task of realizing what it is exactly expected of them for the trade. Okay, I'm going to give you a candy bar and I'm gonna, I'll trade that for, let me see, for that whistle deal. Then everybody can be happy. But how many of you know that there's people today who live in a place of, of unhealthiness? And what happens is we avoid burdening the other person with the impossible, impossible task of realizing what is exactly expected in that trade. And this is the worst part. And the accompanied assigned responsibility of them having to make us Happy. No one has the ability to love you enough to make you happy. Your husband don't. Your wife don't. Your kids don't. Nobody has the ability to love you enough to make you happy. There's only one love that can do that, and that's God's love. And the thing about God is that he don't need to receive anything in return. He don't have a need. He don't have a deficit. He don't, he's, not, he don't, he's, not unash he's not ashamed about who he really is. He, he has this need for us. He don't have this need for us to love him back. The reconciliation process of God and his love for us is God giving us the opportunity to get to love him. And it's if we love him back, we keep out his commandments, not for his sake, but for our sake. And that's how we begin to start eating from the tree of life. I got to tell you this morning, please know this. Stop 
putting the burden on somebody else for your happiness. They can't do it. They can't make you happy. Would it be something if we loved with God's kind of love? And that we have relationships that resolve all our deficits and restore our purpose and of, of, for ourselves and all of creation. Back to the garden. Back to innocence. Back to pre-leaf. That's what I've kind of been calling it. Pre-fig leaf. There's a place that we lost. Let me tell you what the Bible calls it. We fail. Fail. When Yahweh comes through my life, i got to tell you, it's total devastation. I know nothing of a sweet little God, sweet little baby Jesus, Christmas Jesus baby. I, don't, I, have, no, I have no experience with that. And when He comes through, nothing that I thought I was ever remains. Everything is shattered. What is it that shattered? I, I couldn't help but see my wife told me the devastation of the city in Kentucky where that, uh, I mean, I've never seen a tornado like that. It's amazing. I mean, it stayed on the ground like two and a half hours, didn't it? I mean, it's like, I mean, it just, uh, I'm like, that's how God comes. Like a mighty wind and he shatters. And, and so what is it that he shattered, Johnny? Did he shatter this, this, this? He always shatters my mind constructs. He always shatters my perceptions and my, the way I see things and what I know and what I think. It's the way I, I perceive reality. It's the way I think of Him and the way I think of others should be. And I'll tell you what, you can be irritable during these times. It's not just sitting there, oh, let the righteous smite me. Oh, pull the sword out and just kill me, God. I'm looking forward to it. Those thought forms, man are like rigid structures in our minds, and they're presently, continually, erroneously, and insufficiently creating my life for me. I use all of those words very purposefully. These aren't dead words here. But they are presently, continually, continually, erroneously, and insufficiently creating my life for me. These all constructs. That are not even true. And unfortunately, it's all I have so far to use as what I think is a reality check. But what if it's wrong? That's all we have. That's what we've been told. We've been, I mean, what an uprooting, what a beautiful thing that God did about the gospel. I mean, I'm loving it. I mean, we're going to continue to declare that and make those available and tell people. But I'm going to tell you, that ain't why we're here. We're here. That's, that's the process to get us to here. This whirlwind of the truth has to come through and level the place out. And as far as me, again, here he comes again. Oh, Lord. He makes his messengers winds and his, flame, his servants flames of fire. And what happens when he leaves? The light that that process brings to us will make the glass that we're trying to see through less dark. When I was a young man, I thought I knew the sin that so easily beset me. You young men, y'all probably got beset by some of those same sins. People all have those weaknesses and, you know, so memorizing scripture, you know, wherefore seeing we're compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily beset us, looking to Yahshua, the author and finisher of our faith, who enduring his faith, child's the shame. I mean, I can go on and on, but let me tell you the story I'm talking about is this. I used to preach on the sin that so easily beset me. <laughs> Maybe at that time, that was the sin that so easily beset me in my perspective. So what I did as I spent all my energies cutting all the apples off my apple tree. Oh, that's the sin that so easily besets me. I got this apple tree that's producing apples. So guess what I do? I start cutting the fruit off the tree. And guess what that cost? More fruit! Because... The problem wasn't the fruit. The problem was the tree. A root thing. I've always said I'm a root man. You know, joking, whatever. I'm a root man. Root sin is kind of like a thought. It's kind of like an awareness. It's what you're, who you're aware of yourself and what that awareness is and what that world. And again, you know, please don't try to define every word that I may be abusing today out of my inability of just trying to get this out of my spirit. But I'll tell you what it ultimately is. It's a mindset that will separate you and I from being who we were created to be. The very 
salvation plan of God for us. As in the garden, i got to tell you, man, God gave me this word on the prodigal son. I thought about Reggie. Reggie had a great, great word about prodigals years ago. It's still a great word to me. But once you know, you see some truth, and seeing the next truth is a lot easier. And so I, you always show me something about who that prodigal was and the process that he had to go through and his portion and all that kind of stuff that I'm getting ahead of myself. But I believe that just like in the garden and just like the prodigal son, one of the first thoughts that we conceive is this. Am I able? 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 Am I able to meet your expectation? Am I able to meet your expectation? Yahweh, what do you want from me? You created me. What's your purpose? Can I meet that expectation? Where I'm from, the word inbred has, has a strong meaning. And I have seen people who are inbred in... Actually, I saw a documentary the other day of, of a little family in West Virginia and the impact of what it is to be inbred. And this inbred doubt that we have in our mind, whether we can meet the expectation or whether we can be aware of it, that is strong, strong cold, mental construct, thought, however you want to say it. It is, that's what, really, that's all it is. It's a thought. And let me tell you what, you are what you think. I said, you are what you think. It may not be literally, physically, but there are people who look and stand in front of mirrors today who have the physical organs of a man who believe they're a woman. Adam and Eve and the prodigal son did not, they failed in meeting the expectation of managing their portion. They all failed. I pray this is a seed to fertile ground this morning, that the inability to meet expectation is a sinful mindset that gets us way down to the very core of our worth. No longer worthy? That's a, or should I say, the false deduction, of course. As Yahweh unveils this, His plan and purpose for us and you begin to see it, you're going to find out that that's just not true. But it remains this valid deduction that our minds have that produces the fruit of resentment and shame toward our Creator and ourself. i got to tell you, Yahweh has spoke to me. And I can't tell you I know every little thing about what I'm saying today, but I know He does. The doorway out of the garden is the doorway into the garden. There's a word that I have laughed about. A word. I'm, I made fun of it, kind of. Not the person, because I respected the person that used it when they preached and all, but he had this word he preached, you know, and it's like very great orator, you know, use big words, so to speak. And, you know, and we, we used to laugh about it, but I want to tell you, God got that word and turned it around on me and threw it right back in my face this past week. And what I scoffed at, but I didn't know. And maybe those, that got, those people don't know either. I don't know. But for me, what I thought I knew, I didn't know. And what I laughed at, I found out, was going to be the very thing that put me in that position, which is pre-fig leaf, naked and unashamed for who I am. Here's where 